You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Down the sideline. Stayed in bounds. And Barkley takes it all the way. 68 yards for his first NFL touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Boo! Don't run draw plays anymore on third and nine in the first series of the first preseason game of the year. Boo! Oh my god. Imagine booing during a preseason game. Imagine wanting to win. I don't have to imagine it. I heard it. <laughs> mm. It's just, it's really amazing, Grump. You know, we've been talking about it. It's been kind of one of our themes for most of this offseason is not overreacting and putting things in perspective. And, you know, people still took three plays for people to start booing play calling. Well, you know, a couple, a couple things about that. First of all, that's been our narrative all Existence, I think, on on this show, um, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, you know, whatever, um, wherever you can find Just Giants, we're there. Um, but that's always been our narrative: is to chill the fuck out. Um, and, and that's not to say not to get passionate about it, but you know, use your head. Um, but I will, you know, I, I've kind of spent the last couple of weeks really clowning hard on Giants fans for being ridiculous. I will say at least there's no footage of a massive brawl between fans outside the stadium, unlike there was in Philly. So, Yeah. Well, I, I think this is going to be a pretty good segue. And by the way, your segue into where we can be found on SignCloud, iTunes, you know, that was very good as well. Thanks. But, um, <laughs> I, I think this is actually a pretty good segue talking about the booing into the Daniel Jones situation, which obviously most people want to talk about after that game, where – Giant fans weren't booing just purely because it was a third down a play call and it wasn't a random thing. There is, you know, been built up frustration from this fan base and pretty rightly so for a very long time now. And, you know, we all know that these games mean nothing. Winning these games mean nothing. But they didn't spontaneously say, oh, I don't like that play call. It was just things have been ingrained in their brain and they've been force fed from the media from the the hot take industry that's out there about how bad this team is how you know they don't know what they're doing from the general manager and the head coach that the quarterback is washed up blah 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 so when you keep hearing these same things over and over and you just see it's an innocuous third down play you know you just tend to go freak out that's why to me and we're, we'll talk about this now, that with Daniel Jones, it was the, the best possible outcome, and I don't care about the five individual throws that he threw. I, mean, I had said on this show last week that I wasn't sure if he was even going to play, and I personally wouldn't have played him in the first game. They did bring him out in the second series, and he, you know, he did something that was better than... was than we could have anticipated and hoped for is that he calmed everybody down. We don't need to all of a sudden have the pendulum switching from bad draft pick to quarterback controversy, but for at least one week, 
all the negative publicity that this team has from the media, from the fans, from opposing fan bases, from Twitter, whatever, calms down. And that's important for this team. This team needs something to sell its fans on. And for what he did, that was that, that was the best thing that could have happened out of this this game, regardless of how he actually threw the ball. Well, they, they did a very smart thing is that they didn't bring him in with the twos. They kept all of the starters out there and just switched out the quarterback. Um, and in, in that case, you know, if you watch, uh, I, I mean, granted, he, they were going against the Jets' sub-defense there. Um, but, I mean, I don't think they knew that when they were going to do it. I mean, the Jets only kept their starting defense out for one series, which happened to be three plays. And then they put in some subs. So, fine. But, I mean, I care less about the numbers, the 5 for 5, 67 yards and a touchdown, than the eye test. And I I value my eye test over things in college as well. It's just kind of what I bank on. And what I saw was exactly what you said, calm. And that was the most surprising to me. Uh, you know, when, when I watched him, there wasn't – it looked like he was just kind of in the backyard throwing the ball and, you know, trying things out. I think he understood that the game meant nothing other than to just continue to get better in practice. And he looked completely poised. His balls were relatively accurate. I mean, they weren't... I'm not going to sit here and tell you they were pinpoint, because I don't think they were. I think they could have been placed slightly better. But is that really relevant? I mean, this isn't a guy that we anticipate starting this year. Uh, Certainly not very early. Uh, You know, I thought he looked good. He looked comfortable. And, you know, you can't teach comfortable. You can't teach nerves. uh, You know, things like that. So I was happy with seeing that. Uh, I care more about that than I do the numbers. The numbers are fine. I I can't complain about five for five, sixty-seven yards and a <laughs> touchdown. Um, yeah, but I mean, if he looked like shit doing that against backup defenders, you know what I mean. If he looked panicked and he just you know managed to those, get those numbers, that's completely different than the way he looked out there. He looked completely calm. Yeah, he was completely set up to succeed. He's like you. You stole my point. Where I was going to say. I thought it was a genius move by leaving the starting five offensive line out there and leaving yeah. his starting, you know, the majority of the weapons that are available right now out there to him to use. Uh, you wanted to put him in a situation to succeed. And also it helped that the Jets had their backups in who were dreadful. I mean, he had all day to throw. Yeah, and I, but, I mean, I don't really know much about the Jets' depth on defensive line to, to say that they were dreadful or if the offensive line played well. Again, this is... You know, it's silly season. It's tough to really read those things. Um, if that were a regular game, I would say that the Giants' offensive line were dominant. But since it wasn't, I, I don't really know what to say about that. Right. And uh, what we talked about last week, one of the things we said, you know, even if he did play, I would only put him in situations of, you know, optimal, you know, situations to help him succeed. And that's exactly what they did. So, and again, but again, my bigger point is that how he looked really was secondary to that's your first impression of him. And that, that's going to be very important. Now he may go out and play next week and look awful and we'll be back to the same old thing. But for a team that needs such a drastic overhaul of public relations, you know, it's nice to see articles trickling out that he won the weekend and he was a winner from this weekend. And it's, it's, it's stopping the constant barrage of, 
Gettleman doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, this this team is just floundering and just you know, grasping at straws. Absolutely. So does, does that mean that he is now ready to be the, the starter next week? We get ready for a quarterback controversy? Absolutely not. You know, everybody knows whose place is who on this team for right now. I mean, I still don't expect him to be even the backup this year. I I think it's going to still be Alex Tanny. Um, and it does And I don't read into anything that he came in. The only reason he played second, I think, was to your point, is to just get, uh, just to play with with the first team. Do you think, at some level, this management staff, this coaching staff? You know this this team of guys that are all kind of collectively grouped together, right? With Shermer and Gettleman, and I, I guess to a certain extent James Betcher. Do you think that they are? It was important that they get good publicity on Daniel Jones, you know, for themselves, or you know, maybe to prove themselves to ownership. Uh, I don't think to ownership. I think they're pretty steady in their job security now. I mean, it's only their second year in. And we're not seeing just the obvious, you know, negligence, I feel, that uh, McAdoo had when he was the coach. I mean, Gettleman is a, whether you love him or hate him, he is a proven general manager in this league. James Betcher is a proven defensive coordinator in this league. Um, So, no, I I don't think it's necessarily to prove it to ownership. I think it's more part of that public relations with the fans and the media and to the rest of the league, to be very honest. I, I think the Giants brand right now is pretty damaged. You know, is it the most attractive place that a free agent wants to go to right now? Probably not. And a lot of and a lot of that may be because of that whole thing with Gettleman and how outgoing free agents and people that were cut with Carolina badmouth them on the way out the door. Fair or unfair. So I think there has to be a complete overhaul in the perception of this team. And putting Daniel Jones out there with, opti- again, optimal situation. You're keeping your first team offensive line in. You're giving him easy one, quick one, you know, one, one look reads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everything you can possibly do to make him look good. And so not only is it to help like with his confidence and everything, but that's kind of like the first step in the rehabilitation in the eyes of a lot of different parties. Yeah. But, I, but I don't yeah, I, I don't think, think so. ownership is one of those. I think ownership is is pretty confident in what they're doing and they're gonna get a they're gonna get a longer lease. I mean the Giants don't make changes just for change sake. That's how unusual the McAdoo situation was. Okay. Yeah. I mean that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, as far as um, proving him to the rest of the league, Chris Carter still had some not nice things to say about him. Uh, I believe he said that his touchdown pass was ugly and should have been an interception. Who gives this? I mean, now you're drifting back into hot take land where hot takers have to be contrarian, have to say something to stand out, to get clicks, to get, you know, retweets to get people to watch their sorry, pathetic TV shows. So I really don't give a shit what he has to say. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to hear you say it out loud. This yeah. is funny. I mean, really, we're going to, we're going to break down every single pass 
I mean, did we break down every single pass of every quarterback who played every snap in the first game of the preseason? I mean, that's just someone who just who just wants to sound sounds like an asshole. Is what he sounds like. And yeah, I, I believe this is not the first time he's bashed this giant organization for other things too, if I, if I don't recall. I mean, I don't, I don't give a flying fuck about Chris Carter. I never have. Um, great player, and that's that's cool. But as far as media personality, I, I could care less. Um, and that, and that's among a group of people that I could care less about. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think I will say, you know, as as we get back to the the booing on third and eight for the inside handoff, I I understand to a certain extent. You know, we we. It's been a whole six, seven months. You know, we, we do all these moves in the off season to, to make this team better, to continue to, to move in the right direction. And, and the perception is that this is just more of the same. Um, you know, we don't have to go in the obvious of, you know, booing in a preseason game or, or anything like that. But, I mean, do you understand the, the perception that, like, oh, here we go again with this shit? No, not in this scenario. If this was the, this is week one at Dallas, and even then, it's just like, I, I, I just don't. It, it, it makes it, it all it is. It's just they were waiting for that outlet. It's kind of like, you know, when you watch a debate and you see ten people up on stage and somebody has their canned saying, which they just got to get in somehow. That's what these these giant fans who were booing were. They were ready to boo anything. They were looking for an excuse. Where is applicable to boo? Because they are fed up. They're fed up with, you know, those are the ones that probably never wanted to draft Daniel Jones. They're the ones who, you know, think this is still 1986. They, they're the ones who probably never wanted Gettleman to be the GM. Probably never wanted, you know, to have this head coach. Never wanted all these things. So that's a perfect time to just, you know, use their boo. And hopefully they got it out of their system now. I mean, it's no different than when you watch Jet Fan at the draft who can't wait to boo the, pe- the draft pick no matter who it is. Nick Fan gets ready to boo Christoph Brzingis. have no idea who he is, but they were ready to go up there and make a spectacle of themselves. It's, it's be- they become cartoon characters, and a lot of them kind of revel in that I'm a cartoon character. I think I'm cool. Maybe ESPN will, will show me doing it. Maybe they'll talk about it. Maybe I'll go viral. I, I want to be that asshole. I mean, people have no shame in this world. Just look what we consider our, you know, reality TV stars and, you know, and all different facets of that bullshit. People get millions and millions of hits because I want to fight some guy in a bagel store or whatever fucking nonsense that asshole is. But does it matter? I'm famous. You know, and I, I, I to be that guy. I want to be giant draw play booing guy. And... I hope they're happy. You look like a moron. You sound like a moron. You're not solving anything. They're not going to all of a sudden say, you know, that schmuck up in 333 row XX didn't like that play call. We should re, we should come up with a game plan to win this first preseason game. Not going to happen. So all of you assholes out there who think you're funny or, you know, you've been drinking for 12 hours before a preseason game. First of all, go to a meeting. Second of all, chill the fuck out. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, even in a regular season game, on a first drive of the game, you know, you throw you, – you, you pop in an easy three- or four-yard pass for your first play for the easy completion to get things moving. Uh, your next play is a running play, which went nowhere, and there was a holding call that was declined. Now you're at third and eight. It's not smart to just, you know, start – Chucking up bombs in your first drive of the game, Grump, you're, Grump, you're, you're thinking way too. I know I am. I know I am. But I mean, it's, you said it yourself. You know, even if this were Week One against Dallas, and you're right, you're right. The first drive of the game, third and eight, is not the situation you want to be in. You want to run the inside handoff. That's fine. It, it, it's inconsequent. What you don't want to do is start entering into this panic mode of, you know. Wrecking your game plan, you know, it just it just is what it is. I I understand Giants fans' frustrations with you know waiting all this off season and then wanting to see some change and then you don't see it. I I, I get that. You're not going to Underst- see it here. You're not see it in the first. That's what I'm game. saying. Understand your situation. Understand your surroundings and, and where you are. You're at a preseason game. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is. Practice. This is a scrimmage. It's it's, it's running, executing plays for the first time against people in a different uniform color. That's all it is. It's there's no game planning involved. There's no schemes. Everything is vanilla. It's can you block? Can you run? Can you throw? Can you catch? That's it. Eli Manning is in that game. (laughs) I, I and again, I don't even know why he was in a game like that. To be very honest, there's more downside than upside for something like that. It's just, and if you, again, if you want to use that as your soapbox to boo and, and show your, you know, your anger, maybe you do that in the beginning before the game starts. But you, doing it in time and place where you look like a moron does not help your cause at all as being a smart fan. Uh, moving moving forward, since there wasn't really much to, to glean from from Eli or Daniel Jones, I, I just don't want to make the whole episode about just that. I, no. I think we've made our points. Um, I our think point, you're right. I, yeah. I, I, the point, I think, is that you know, it all turned out, I think, the best possible scenario for the Giants, I think. I think their goal to get positive you know, PR absolutely 100% passed. It's they're going to get at least a, a week, at least a breathing room where people are down their necks. And I think a lot of giant fans at least are instead of thinking, oh, my God, why did we draft this guy now thinking, all right, it's not a complete failure, whether that's accurate or not. Who knows? But at least mission accomplished for goal number one of this first game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And to your point earlier, um, I think Alex Tanney solidified himself as the true backup, at least for the first half of the year. Um, he looked good doing it, but 14 of 19 for 190 yards and a touchdown on a slant to Russell Shepard. He, he looked he looked good doing it. He's not in there in optimal circumstances. He was in there with backups all over the place. So um, I thought he looked good. Kyle Oletta actually didn't look all that awful either. He might – maybe at best turn into some sort of trade material um, at this point now that's that's the best you know that's the best you can that's hope the best for. thing the giants can hope for i mean like you say you know they didn't uh sign odell beckham to trade him well they didn't draft him 
just to cut him. The situation changed. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity to upgrade your potential future quarterback from Kyle Aletta to Daniel Jones. You're going to do it. And unfortunately, the plan changes. If we were a stubborn organization and said, no, Kyle Aletta is who we drafted, and that's that, people would be going through the, the roof right now about that, especially after the, the nonsense with the uh, being late for practice and everything. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. it's unfortunate for him that they, they, the team was awful, was able to draft a potential franchise quarterback, but you know, there, there's no place for him on this roster anymore. We have the starter, we have the future waiting in wings, we have a guy who can come in in an emergency, and you know, quarterback this team for a play, a series, a quarter, a game if necessary. It's unfortunate, but you know. We'll see where he, uh, if if they're able to get like a draft pick out of more, if he just gets cut on cut down day. But I really, really doubt he'll be on the team, you know, opening day. Same. As far as running backs go, is we're still kind of looking for uh, number two behind Saquon Barkley. I think Gallman looked okay. Um, we were both really expecting Paul Perkins to emerge as this dark horse, and he looked maybe even worse than the last time we saw him. Um, the, I mean, the fumble was a real killer, but he wasn't looking good even when he didn't fumble. So it's only one game, and it's been a long time since we've seen him in action that he's been in action. So he can certainly redeem himself both in practice and in the the coming three games. Uh, but you know, I I was expecting him to turn heads. Is like, oh, we forgot about him. Um, and, and it, man, it did not happen. Let me ask you something, Grump. What? What do you think the coaching staff and the general manager, what percentage do you think they put on what happens in these actual games versus what they see every day in practice when they're making their decision? What do you, what do you think that weighting is of the two? Um, well, you know, it, it's hard to grade. You have to grade individuals. You know, there, there are certain things. A running back is only going to look so good with no blocking, and I think they understand that. But I think – a real negative is a guy who can't make things happen at least a little bit on his own and certainly fumbling when you when you have a screen pass. You know, you catch the pass, you turn around and get slammed and you can't control the ball. It's not going to look good for a running back. And I, I, I think that to answer your question in terms of numbers, I would say for a guy like him who's right on the cusp – it's got to be, I would say, probably 60-40 tra- uh, preseason games to practice. Okay. Because for only for a guy like him. I mean, he is right on – they, they stand to gain nothing from a guy who can't do it by keeping him. But if they had taken him and you – know, you know what I mean? Like he's right on that cusp where, you know, we can get another running back. It's not a big deal. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he would truly probably be third in line anyway. So. so so we're thinking for guys like him, practice is not really much of talent evaluation. It's more, you know, getting your reps in, getting your technique down, getting all this and that. And But really the evaluation piece really is more heavily, you know, slanted towards the games themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer because, I mean, there's different facets to it. You know, as a running back, 
you know, in practice, what you can see is he knows his assignments. He knows when he's supposed to block. He knows where he's supposed to block. He knows when to run out in the flat. He knows all the reads. He knows all the audibles. That you can see right in practice, and it will translate to games even if the play is a total shit show. You know, because everybody else isn't doing their job, you know that Paul Perkins is doing his job X, Y, and Z. And you see it every day in practice that reinforces it. But when it comes to game time, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's really slugging you in, in, in practice and training camp that, to the point where there's a real chance that you're going to fumble the ball. Do you know what I mean? It's not like game reps, even right. if it is just preseason. So I think different facets to the game are weighted a little differently. But overall, I would say, you know, there are certain things that he can't show in, in practice that he can only prove in a in a game. And, uh, you know, he, he looked pretty not that good to me. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, you know, as, as we um, – you know, we, we kind of do this every year. We kind of worry about the last receiver spot. But, you know, this year, a little bit important, you know, as we, we've had guys go down with injury. Sterling Shepard is is probably not going to be a 1,000% for week one. He'll play, but, you know, with a broken thumb, he's not going to be the best he can be, probably 95%. And, and Golden Tate will certainly not play for the first four games. So this, this position here is pretty important. Now, again, it comes down to – is this guy even going to be on our roster? Who knows? But I will say, of the unknowns, TJ Jones looked pretty good. Um, he played specials, and he played okay. Um, but he went; he had six catches for 72 yards and a great touchdown catch where he readjusted to the ball that Laletta threw oddly back shoulder on sort of a go route to the end zone. But he readjusted beautifully made a touchdown touchdown catch uh benny fowler has worked his way up to like the ones um and he caught uh daniel jones's touchdown pass russell shepherd took a, a slant to the house from uh alex tanny went f- four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown uh, you know those guys were thinking probably two of those three guys are gonna make the roster um that the one who doesn't make the cut there and Reggie White Jr., you know, guys of that caliber are probably going to fight for that last little bit where, you know, maybe they'll be on the roster for those four games that Golden Tate isn't there. Mm-hmm. But local kid Reggie White Jr. looked pretty dominant among the threes. Uh, four, four catches for 60 yards. He, he looked uh, uncoverable out there. But, you know, one one game, it doesn't mean much, but worth keeping an eye on going forward. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week if they are still playing against third stream, third team guys, or they are moved up in the rotation. Like, let's see what they can do against the twos, or maybe, you know, get a play or two, or even maybe against the ones, just shuffling guys in and out to see. You know, if a guy like, you know, Reggie White Jr. still lining up against the threes and complete garbage time, that tells you a lot about what the coaches you know, ultimately think about where he fits in this whole thing. So, Right. And and to your point, um, I think that this coaching staff, you know, I don't know if it's because they're completely revamping this roster or, or, or what. You know, these guys on the team that have no affiliation with this coaching staff and general manager, you know, everybody's sort of on a level playing field. But it seems to me more so this year than in past years that – reps seem to be earned um and and 
that's been relevant with with Ryan Connolly, linebacker uh, from Wisconsin that was taken in the fifth round, I think, this year. Um, so th- here's a dude that did not show up uh, as as one of the top linebacker guys coming out in college, and, and he doesn't have the insane measurables or you know the crazy forty time or anything like that. But when you put on his tape, the dude just manages to know what the play is all the time, and you know, he played in the Big Ten, um, which is which is n- not a knock on him or anything like that. But I, it's not it's not the SEC. You know, there's a lot of downhill linebacker play in in the Big Ten that doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. There's not as much coverage. I couldn't find a lot of film of him in coverage, etc. So I was really weary of. Well, you know, he looked real. He his film from college looks really good, but. We'll see. And this dude was everywhere. I mean everywhere all over the field. He blew up plays left and right. He was just diving through blockers to throw away running game plays. Uh, And he has now since earned himself first team reps in practice. So certainly a guy to keep your eye on going forward is BJ Goodson has fallen all the way to the threes. And now it looks like Tay Davis is taking two second team reps behind Connolly. Well, it wasn't Tay Davis. Oh, I see you're saying he's dropping a little below him. So, yeah, I think B.J. Goodson, I don't think he's going to be on this roster at the end of the Yeah, I think you're right. He might be the odd man out for this whole thing. But, you know, that is a sign of progress that this, the talent level and the depth of this ta- of roster is getting better. When you see a you guy like Yeah, you would year. hope, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I was incredibly impressed with Ryan Connolly and the way he played – uh, um, I I didn't expect him to to I, I expected to find some little play to gush about on Twitter, you know, so that people would be like excited about this pick that nobody really knew anything about. That frankly nobody was really excited about when he was picked. Uh, and I didn't have to. I mean, the you know Carl Banks was gushing over him. It was it was so clear and obvious to anybody watching that this guy was a monster on the field. You know, playing with the ones, is that going to change? Absolutely. But, I mean, if he can hang, that's all that really matters. Yeah, and again, being a rookie, it's really not that much different than a quarterback where that's his first game in the NFL. You know, you're not going to throw the book at him right away and expect him to be the same as an eight-year veteran or something. Let's work our progressions. Let's see how he does against the threes and twos. If he does well, then you you challenge him some more of a – going against the twos and ones. And if it works out, you know, he's on your roster and you, you put him into your, in, you know, your, your mix. So it's, uh, it's really no different than quarterbacks getting these guys, you know, up to game speed and see how they can progressively handle tougher and tougher competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some other guys on defense that really stood out, you know, Easy one to pick on is uh, Corey Ballantyne came up with an interception, had a good pass breakup too. Was also flagged for really our, our first look at a um, challenge flag throw for uh, pass interference. Um, I don't know. We didn't really go too much into that, uh, you know, this year. But I mean, we we can talk about it now really quickly. I mean. I put my stance on Twitter um, over the weekend. 
the only way I think replay ever is really going to work is if that you challenge or something, or there's a, a call from downstairs to go into the replay booth and, and see what's going on. The original call has to be negated and they have to make the call from this whole thing about confirming a, a previous call or having enough evidence to overturn it or there was insufficient to overturn it. It's never going to work. You're still going to have more potential for wrong calls. I think if you say, you no, know, a coach is going to challenge it. The original call is gone. The guy in the booth makes the decision. Is it a catch? Not a catch. Interference? Not an interference. On the line? Not on the line. Um, I felt that way about basketball. I feel that way about baseball. I feel the same way about football, where having to prove something, the original call that is wrong, we don't have enough evidence overturned to me just doesn't make any common sense so no it seems like protecting feelings yeah like like you're like you're hurting the referee's feelings you know you gotta you gotta really show that i was wrong otherwise i was right and honestly it's a shame that it folded so quickly but i think the aaf had it right they had an equal partner referee in the replay booth there was no overruling it was simply hey i just checked this it's not right Okay, guy upstairs says it wasn't right, and that's it. They're all equal partners. Yeah, you know, you know when 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 somebody when one official has a better view of something and they talk it out with the other official who initially threw the flag and then they pick the flag up, they're conceding like, oh, okay, you had a better view. It's not an argument on who's right or wrong. It's just who cares. We're just trying to get the call right, and that's what replay should be. It should be another equal part official. With access to technology, five fucking seconds review. The, I mean, we all we we get the benefit of this instant replay at our TVs. We know it right there. That was a bad call. Let's check a second second angle. Yep, that was a bad call. That's it. It takes ten seconds. This whole challenge, you know, having having to be so obvious to that could be only turn only if it's obvious. No, some things aren't complete. You know if. OJ OJ is not guilty because it wasn't obvious from the evidence, apparently. So he walks free. But this isn't uh, a murder trial. Yeah, this isn't a court of law. Right. It's a game. If they think it's, you know, you know, just because it wasn't obvious, obvious to overturn a call, it, it stands, is silly. It's defeating the purpose of. And that's why people lose confidence in replay. The most common thing you hear is they still got it wrong. What's the point of replay? They still got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because the standard is way too high by having to, you know, prove the original call was right or prove they have enough to overturn it. To me, the original call is gone and it's in the hands of the replay guy. It's a lot of responsibility, right. but you know something? The guy's yeah, on the field. Job. <laughs> the, 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 the back judge makes the call. He makes, you know, it's his responsibility to make that call. And also, I think Grump can can uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong? But aren't the crews the ones that are kind of judged after and graded after a uh, a game? Not each individual um, official, but they are graded as a whole how well they do. I know that the crew is is evaluated and graded. I don't know if the individual is also graded and evaluated. I'm not so, sure. So I the, do know that the crew is. So if the crew is, and you're including one more person in that crew, being the guy up in the booth and he's an equal partner that to me means you would get a better grade for a crew i don't 
you know, I mean, I know these umpire unions have way, way more power than they deserve to, but uh, this is something definitely for the betterment of the game. Yeah, and, and and to put it bluntly in the context of what we're fucking talking about here is uh, Corey Ballantyne grabbed the 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 free hand of the wide receiver and prevented a a catch on the one play. You know, it was the right call, but the fact that you know the Jets have to potentially lose a challenge to make it happen is is just very silly. And exactly, it, it, it potentially lose a lose a timeout and lose a challenge because it wasn't quote unquote obvious to overturn that's silly when we all can see it when common sense is that's a penalty but there's some higher standard uh, yeah. yeah i think um, we'll get, i think we'll get there someday it's just going to take a while yeah again I, I think the aaf had it right and i think had they been able to complete a first season and we could look back and evaluate what maybe they did right and what they didn't do right uh would have helped the nfl but because they didn't finish the season it's just automatically looked at as a complete and total failure and that everything about it was stupid. I don't, I don't agree with that. But mm-hmm. um, Some other notes. Um, Jabril Peppers uh, on I think maybe the second play of the game nearly came up with a diving interception that would have been spectacular. Uh, he just kind of undercut a route um, and almost picked up a Darnold pass like, like really truly just through the fingertips would have – I, I, I mean, I don't want to say changed the game, but I mean, I think it would have changed the narrative of how Sam Darnold looked, even though it would have just been a good play. What did you think of Sam Darnold just watching the, the amount of time he was in there? He looked comfortable. He looked good. He threw a good tight ball, uh, good accuracy, good decision-making. Um, he looked fine. You know, quite frankly, there. somebody had said that the Giants got no – pass rush on that first drive. I, I don't agree with that. There was a point in which he started kind of to scramble, had to climb up in the pocket and find somebody open. Uh, it was a, normally would have been a panic moment for a quarterback. He looked okay doing it because he's a good quarterback, but you know the pocket was collapsing around him. That that just is credit to him, not, not to discredit the Giants. You know, I know this is not the Just Jets podcast, but uh... – Give me a couple seconds. I'm sure a lot of our listeners you know, do keep at least one eye open with the Jets. The Jets to me are a team that like it's like the hardest team for me to read how they're going to be this year. You know, they have talent. They have a brutal schedule, especially in the first nine, ten games of the year. So I don't know where to say that this is a team that's going to be like a five and eleven team, a five hundred team, or a playoff team. I mean, they, you know, having a, a young quarterback who looks like he's going to be making strides going into year two is a big advantage. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible division other than New England, and who knows when, you know, Tom Brady returns into a pumpkin. But you know, like I said, I, I really don't know where to gauge the Jets, and I, I don't care about what happened, you know, in, in the game the other night. I'm just talking in general. What do you think about them? I think they're playing a little bit with fire. You know, we didn't get to see Le'Veon Bell in in, in play. Um, I think that they are building all the right stuff. I I just think that there are certain personalities they added that I am very tentative with, and that would be Le'Veon Bell. 
Um, Greg Williams, for sure. Great defensive coordinator, but such a hard personality to keep under wraps. I mean, there's the, the reason that guy moves around the league is because he's not wanted. <laughs> it's not because he's not a good defensive coach. Yeah. Um, Wears out his welcome very quickly. And also, he pays players to hurt other players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a schmuck. And, yeah. um, but he, listen, listen to this really quickly. This is their schedule, their first uh, – 10 games. They start off at home against the Bills. Then they're home against the Browns, at the Patriots, at the Eagles, home against the Cowboys, Patriots, at Jacksonville, at the Dolphins, and then it gets a little easier with the Giants and the Redskins. But that is that is a tough first eight games. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that they have to play Philly on the road, that, that sucks. I mean um. – they have the talent. They could possibly be four and four if things go right, but they could very easily be two and six and everybody going apeshit when that record may not be indicative of the improvement they could possibly be making. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, that's – I mean, I, I don't pay attention, so I hadn't really even noticed that their uh, schedule was that brutal, but it seems it was. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much all I've really got on this – preseason game but one other thing that was really important that needed to be said uh, DeAndre Baker uh, in practice today or Sunday maybe Sunday. I think Sunday, Sunday. Um, was doing individuals and then walked off to the side saying his knee didn't feel right uh, got MRIs the giant fan base held their collective breath and it turns out it is just a knee strain um, he came back with no bandage, anything, um, not, not even an ice pack or anything. So, you know, good news, exhale, um, rest him for a little bit. But, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that on the on the podcast. It was quite scary when I when I heard the reports and he was going in for the MRI. I instantly feared the worst because, well, I fear the worst always. But uh the initial report said it's not the worst. Let, let's we're not out of the woods yet. Let's see, you know, to the extent of what the you know recovery time is going to be. He's going to miss valuable practice time. You know, this is you absorb the most as a rookie. But uh, hopefully, we we dodged a major bullet. Yeah, yeah, it certainly seems that way. But that is pretty much it the next thing on the docket for the giants was uh friday i think friday night against the bears yeah um and that one is at home i think right that is another home game we'll have our two home games for the preseason out of the way by this coming friday so you can either go to the game and enjoy it there. Um, I don't know why you would do that, but you know maybe really like hot dogs or something. Um, or you can sit at home and miss out on stuff because they're cutting away to show you Bruce Beck talking to Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones or Eli Manning, asking them very generic questions that you already know the answer to and is a total waste of your time. And you'll get even so more you, you pick your poison. And you'll get even more sterile answers in the generic questions that they're uh, they're asking of them. So, yeah. Uh, anything you look for in a week two preseason game? Nothing specific, but what is your attention kind of turn a little more towards in week two? 
I mean, I continue to look at the young guys. I continue to look at what I perceive to be the starting lineup. Um, that's pretty much my MO for like the whole preseason is who I expect to be in the starting lineup and how they how they play. You know, um, the young guys and what I thought they would contribute versus you know how they're doing, how they're adjusting, um, and then as the preseason progressive progresses, the one thing that I look for is um, the depth chart. Who's moving up and who's moving down. The fact that uh, Ryan Connolly has moved up in practice is, is a big deal. Um, it, it's not, but it is. Uh, and if that if he if he moves up in in the game, if he's starting, for instance, or if he's in, in before Tay Davis, uh, I want to see that. I want to see that in practice he has truly earned those reps because uh, we can only get to see so much and we don't get to hang out with them in the meeting room and in the film room. And uh, then I want to see how they hang in those, you know, steeper uh, difficulties. And, and seeing people that are rising the depth chart means other people are falling the depth chart. And that's interesting yep. to see as well because, you know, a roster is a jigsaw puzzle. And, you know, some of the decisions that are made are not necessarily just what happens on the field. There's always money, you know, considerations as well so just just a quick aside i i don't really have any love or affection for tay davis you know i i know that he's like the converted safety that we're hoping is going to be the coverage linebacker i know that the giants like what they've seen in practice and what they saw last year from him i don't see it i don't think he i think he might have the athleticism to be there but he doesn't seem to be in the right spot he he's very hit or miss you know he did come up with a huge tackle for loss in the game on on whatever Thursday whatever day it was yeah um and you know I can't discredit him for that I, I can also say that Dexter Lawrence ate up about three guys in the defensive line to let that happen but he still made the play but I mean he was also burned a couple times in coverage and you know this is the guy that we want to be starter I don't th- I don't think so and I, I'm not real happy that he's the best we've got so I'm hoping that Ryan Connolly can show something or, quite frankly, I'm hoping that Tay Davis can show me something. You know, I'm not a fucking expert. Prove me wrong. We want to see them pushed. You know, you're right. He's not a guy where if he's not getting pushed by someone behind him, he's not good enough to say, well, that's our guy. We need we need better play at that position. And he might be one of those things where, you know, that starter might be on a different roster right now. Yeah, and that would that would be unfortunate because the the linebackers who are good in coverage do not grow on trees. Exactly. So that yeah. tells you the potential direness of that you know position in that situation. Well, that is that is it for this episode of Just Giants. I am on Twitter. I should be getting <laughs> I should be getting a new cell phone tomorrow night, so I will be more active on Twitter um, at football underscore grump. Um, and as always, the podcast has its own Twitter account at Just Giants Pod, where you can you find all the episodes there, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, um, you know, whatever. Did I miss? I missed some sponsors. This would be a great time to join the show and give the boy the grumping a new phone. So uh, <laughs> we're here. We are I, I have. I have insurance on it, so I, I was able to get a new phone for relatively cheap. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was upside down on a, on a carnival ride and it came out of my back pocket. I honestly forgot that it was in my pocket at all. 
And uh, I recovered it the next morning. It took me in to, to find it inside the ride. Uh, the guy handed it to me, and the entire thing is smashed to pieces. So I have a new one coming in the mail tomorrow night. Good work. Good work. Thanks. <laughs> I am, as always, the Cranky Fan. You can follow me on the Cranky uh, on the Cranky Fan at Twitter or on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. We're talking lots going on right now. We are in a major pennant race with my Tampa Bay Rays. Florida Gators in ten days start their march to a national championship when they destroy Miami. And of course, yours and my New York Football Giants are in full preseason mode. So lots to talk about. And uh, give me a follow at the Cranky Fan. All right, everyone. Let's go Giants. Go Giants.